hello, I'm your host, Braylon Williams, and welcome to the very first episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I'm going to talk to you about what this podcast is about, the rebranding from Digging Deep Podcast to Enneagram Restored, and a little brief overview about the Enneagram itself. So there's actually a rich history behind this podcast. This podcast first launched in January 2018 as Digging Deep Podcast, where I just randomly talked about, you know, situations in the world, offering all the facts and then allowing my uh, audience to form their own opinions based off the fact. But this month, I was preparing to release a third season of Digging Deep Podcast, but at the same time, I started to think, you know what, it would be cool if I could have something that showcased the restorative properties of the Enneagram. And I was like, I thought through many different options, you know, what could I do? I thought maybe doing blog, blog posts. I thought maybe doing a complete different website. You know, it was just so many different things, ideas that went through my head. I was like, you know what? What if I stay with the podcasting format? Because it was familiar. I knew it. I've done it a lot now. Uh, I mean, Digging Deep Podcast had two seasons of, you know, me talking through a mic. And plus, I like talking. Um, it is part of my, my proclaimed vocation in the future as a pastor. And so, stick with this podcast format and so but i just did not want to have the trouble of managing two separate podcasts i didn't want to have to manage manage a digging deep podcast and a podcast about the enneagram so i was like all right it's time for some rebranding and in that moment i knew digging deep podcast had to be no more and the enneagram restored was the new thing so with that being said, I want to welcome you all to the very first episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. I'm excited to see all the things that this podcast will go and do, the lives it will touch. But with this change, there's some things that I want to explain. All right. So first off, I want to explain the change in logo. The Digging Deep logo did not have much significance to it, other than the fact that it signified the action of digging. But the Enneagram Restored podcast logo actually has a very, very rich and significant meaning behind it through the colors that come together to represent the idea of this podcast. All right, so I want to take out time to just go through those colors one by one. Let's start with the purple. All right, so purple signifies royalty. It was actually a color way back in time of in ancient times, it, it was considered royalty because purple was so rare that the process that they had to go through to make this color, really only kings, queens, and high officials could afford to have clothing, have items with the color purple. So it's a very significant meaning to royalty. The white signifies being made clean. So biblically, we as Christians, we see white as a new life because Jesus comes and he makes our sins, washes them away, and we are made white as snow, um, made new. 
but white is also known as the color of purity. Um, so with that, it works with this purple to say, all right, you've been made new and you're going into this new lifestyle of royalty. But then the gold signifies prosperity. So all three of these colors come together to represent as elements. They come together to mean that knowing your Enneagram type restores you as a new being that will be prosperous in a new life of royalty. Royalty meaning living a better life as a person who has moved away from unhealthy personality traits. So with that, I want you to know this. The actual, I want you to know what the actual podcast description is. It's very simple, and I hope you'll come to like it just as much as I have. Um, and the actual description of this podcast is this, is that the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration to every facet of life. In this podcast, I will discuss alongside some special guests how knowing your Enneagram type can restore the way you think about yourself, how it changes the way you engage and love other people. Well, now that we now that you know a little bit about this podcast and the reason why I created it, let's talk about the Enneagram itself. I first discovered the Enneagram my freshman year here at Evangel University. I had a bunch of friends talking about their types, but here I was in the midst of the conversation, not knowing mine. So it kind of began to feel like I was being left out of conversations because I did not know my type. You know, the conversation would go from something that I could engage in, something that I could be a part of, to this talking about the Enneagram. And here I am, like falling off the cliff, not knowing what to say because I don't know my type. So honestly, at first, when everybody, you know, it didn't bother me that much, but because at first I was very opposed to taking the test because the way my friends were talking about it, the way people talked about it was like, it defines you. Like this number is who you are. You took a test and it told you this is who you are. There's no changing it. But as time progressed, I started to get more friends who talked about it more. You know, I started to feel more left, left out of conversations even more. So even though I was opposed to it, I initially took the test just for the fact so I would know my number. So when I was engaged inside these type of conversations, I could have something to contribute towards the conversations. So that's what I did. I took the test. I looked at my number. And I closed the tab. I didn't look at the meaning, the description behind my number. I just looked at the number and knew, all right, I can say this in conversations. When people say, oh, what's your Enneagram type? I can say, oh, I'm an eight. Not really knowing what that meant. But however, as time went on, uh, I started, it started to drive me crazy because I knew this number, but I was like, what is the meaning behind this number? It's like, I know this meaningless number. Let's put meaning to it. So one day I decided that, you know what, I was actually to actually go back and look into the meaning behind my number. And so I will talk more about uh, my Enneagram story and my number in later episodes. But for now, I just want you to know that I went from being opposed to the Enneagram to making this podcast into posting on social media about it pretty much every other day or so and so 
that's kind of how that's just a little bit about how I became involved in the Enneagram, how I discovered the Enneagram. And so it's honestly, I could not tell you just in this first episode the meaning that Enneagram has in my life now. Even though I was first first, first opposed to it, 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 it is it has really taken a hold to my life and I really appreciate it for its actual values, not the defining values, but the restoration values it brings because that's the entire purpose of the Enneagram. It is not so you can say, all right, this is my number, this is my personality. It's not to define you, but it's to say, all right, here's who I am. These are some healthy things about my number. These are some unhealthy things. How can I change to what differences can I make into my life to change my personality to become a better person? And so that's why I create this podcast to showcase those properties, to showcase the restorative properties that it holds. So, but let, let's let's move away from talking about my personal journey to the, with the Enneagram to the actual Enneagram itself. Itself. So let's let's start off by talking a little bit about the history of the Enneagram. There's actually a deep, rich history of the Enneagram, and I highly encourage you to research it beyond just listening to these podcast episodes. Um, so it, it first kind of started off with George Ivanovic Gurdjieff, who introduced this model as a spiritual symbol in the, in the 1930s, and that's where the Enneagram took on more of its religious roots, more of its spirituality roots. But however, the modern day version that we know and all have come to love was actually developed and revised by Oscar Ichazo and Claudia Narajo, which these two, they took it from really still having religious roots to it, but taking it more into the personality, more of the psychology side of the Enneagram. And that's what we all come to know. And that's the test that we um looking to and we talk about in our daily lives with our friends and family is the the personality the psychology side of it and so by definition the enneagram is a system of personality which describes people in terms of nine types each with their own motivations fears and internal internal dynamics the symbol of the enneagram if you've ever seen it it's kind of a weird symbol but if you've ever seen the symbol for the enneagram it's it is a non-pointed geometric figure that illustrates nine different but interconnected personality types. Each number has a set of arrows, um, one pointing away from a number and one pointing towards a number, which indicates the dynamic interaction between the types. So the arrow that points away from a number indicates where that certain number draws its energy, draws its resources from during a time of stress. On the other hand, the arrow that points to a number, towards the number, is where that particular number draws its energy and resources from a time and a time of security. When you feel secure and you, you know, just a just time when you feel like you have everything together. So let's dive into this, just a brief overview of all the nine types. Um, so all, all, 
the nine types are divided into three subgroups, the heart, head, and body. We're going to start with the heart types. All right, so the twos, the threes, and the fours are the types that make up the heart types. And so these types are have an emotions first reaction. They connect on an empathetic level and they are guided by the emotional relationships with other people. They value emotional support, recognition, and inclusion. So type two, also known as the giver, um, wants to be liked and finds ways that they can be helpful to others so that they belong. This is the type that you can see where this is the person who's probably more likely is always trading favors in order to gain um, popularity with people and having a relationship with people. They will be like, all right, so you need, I will do this for you, but in exchange, I want your friendship. I want your relations with inside this capacity. Type three, though, the achiever, they threes want to be successful and admired by other people. They are very conscious about their public image. Fours, the individualist, desire to be unique and to experience deep and authentic emotions. Those are the types that make up the heart group. So now on to the head group. So the five, sixes, and sevens make up the head types. This, this group, they have an analysis first reaction. They connect on an intellectual level and they focus on gaining control through maintaining stability, security, and competence. Type fives, also known as the investigator, seek understanding and knowledge. They are more comfortable with data than they are with other people. So these are the type of people that uh, if you gave them the opportunity to either socialize at a party or to work through a complex math situation to figure out the data, these are the type of people that are probably going to go with, you know, figuring out the math equation rather than spending an hour or so socializing with um, friends and family at a party. Type six says, though, they, they are known as the skeptics. Um, they are, sixes are preoccupied with security. They seek safety and they like to be prepared for problems. So sixes are the people who have a backup plan for everything. These are the people who, you know, they have thought through every single thing, every possible wrong way something could happen. And, and they say, all right, here is how we avoid this. And if this goes wrong, or we have a backup plan to this situation. Sevens, though, they live a more kind of different life than fives and sixes, but still they are in this head type group. And they are known as the enthusiast. Um, sevens, they like to have as much fun as possible and take go on many adventures as possible which causes oftentimes for sevens to become easily bored because if they're not always having fun, if they're not always on 
some type of adventure, then they can become bored really easy. But let's move on to the body types. The also might you might hear them be referred to as the gut types. These types, this group is composed of the eights, nines, and ones. These types have an instinctive gut reaction. They connect based on the physical sense of comfort, and they have a primary sense to maintain their independence and limit control from outside influences. They respond by either being overly controlling, overly passive, or overly perfectionist. So I want to take a moment to pause and to think about the control aspect. Each of these types limit control from outside sources, but in a different way. So eights are known as the challengers. Eights see themselves as strong and powerful and seek to stand up for what they believe in. And so when it comes to eights, they limit control in the fact they don't mind being controlled by people as long as they don't feel out of control of their life. And so they don't mind letting people take the lead on things, but they don't want to feel like, all right, they don't have a say. They don't have the ability to say, all right, this is not right. This is how we should do this. Um, Aids don't like, really don't like to be told what to do with their life. And I can attest to that because I am eight and that hit hits home so well for me. It's like, all right, I don't mind letting people take control of meetings or the, the projects, but just don't tell me how to live my life because I'm going to live it. And if you try to say that I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong by doing what you say I can't do. Nines, though, they have a different sense of control. They're known as the peacemakers, and they like to go with the flow, and they let others set the agenda. So they, in a sense, give up control as long as not one as long as there's not one side who holds the most control. So nines are the people who want to keep peace. They are the people who, if you have a friend, if you have if you if they're in a room with two of the friends and the friends get in an argument, and one of the friends say, Hey, you as a nine, you have to take one of our sides, they're gonna be the one who is not gonna take sides because they they want to keep the peace. They don't wanna like say, all right, this person's right, but this person is wrong in a heated argument and, and fear that that might stir more trouble. They wanna get the trouble down and they want to lessen the trouble to make it more peaceful in the situation. Ones though, they're known as the perfectionists. These Here's where we see the control takes a little takes a little bit different turn. Ones are rule followers and like doing things correctly. So ones are the people who are going to say, all right, this is how we do it. And these are probably people who take the control in meetings and say, all right, we stick to the agenda. We don't sway away from it. And so these are those, you know, these are the friends that might annoy you the most because they are so ticky and so rule-based and they want to stick to the rules and do everything as laid out. This is probably the kid in elementary school, in middle school, high school, that the teacher said, don't talk for five minutes. When you try to talk to them, they said, hey, no, I'm not talking. I'm 
going to follow the teacher's rules. Or if the teacher said, all right, this is how you solve this problem step by step, then he's going to more likely the people who didn't try to find shortcuts to solving that problem. They just went step by step how the teacher showed them because they viewed this as the only correct way of solving that problem. So that's a little brief overview of all the nine types and how they make up these three different subtypes. Uh, so I'll be back to tell you what you can expect from this podcast and and really about some of the goals that we have as that I have for this podcast. Um, so after this quick break, so don't go away. Um, there's a quick message that I want you to hear and I'll come back later on in just a few seconds and tell you what you can expect from this podcast as well as some of the goals that I have for Enneagram Restored Podcast. I want to say a special thank you for listening to the very first episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. I have been working really hard and I will continue to work relentlessly behind the scenes to make this podcast possible. I'm so excited to see where this podcast will go and the lives it will touch. I hope that you'll become a loyal listener and supporter to Enneagram Restored Podcast. So some of the things you can expect to get out of this podcast um, is that you can gain, you can expect to gain a deeper knowledge of the Enneagram and all of its nine types. Um, you can also expect to hear from some special guests in some interviews. Uh, I will release new episodes of this podcast every Thursday, um, hopefully keeping each episode under an either an hour or less. I know sometimes that might can um, with Interviews might change a little bit because, you know, you know, you get to talk with some good friends and it just takes longer than you expect. But that's just some things you can expect. And my vision for this entire podcast is that you'll be able to learn ways to restore how you think about yourself and others based on your Enneagram type. And that you'll also learn ways to reshape how you engage with and love others based on your Enneagram type. Um, so, like I said, the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it can help restore you. So that's the entire goal of this podcast. I do um, some other goals I have is that I, I want to gain a lot of listeners to this podcast. My hopes is that when the within the first season, um, there's a total of 500 listeners uh, with you know at least 30 people who listen to every episode every time it releases. So that's that's just some of the goals I have for this podcast. And I hope that you'll come along for the ride and join me on this journey because I'm telling you, it's going to be fantastic. Well, folks, that's all I have for this week's episode of Enneagram Restored. I want to thank you again for listening don't miss next week's show. I'll be sitting down with my good friend Cameron Salazar to discuss how the Enneagram has changed his life. And remember that the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration. It helps reshape your thinking and habits. 